This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by a school of murderous clownfish. Instead, it's supported by the generous contributions of people like you, our listeners, on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Steve, as always, joined by... Joe. And Devin. And it's been a really long time since we've done this. Yep. Yeah. For us, for you, we've been putting out episodes. Yeah. For us, we just finished the summer series. We're in... Yeah, we didn't do anything. No. Not really. Super awesome. It was, it was really cool. Nice to get a break yeah, from yeah. all this hot action. Yeah. But it's uh, it's a little weird now because it's been a long time and I don't remember how to operate any of the equipment. Now, what the, did, did anybody remember to turn the mixer on? Uh, it appears to be. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right, Sweet. Okay. All right. Well, you know, we should we should get this off on a good foot. So we've got to do the cheer. So okay. everybody put your hands in the circle. All right. And on three. One, two, three. Solve the mystery. I mean, solve the mystery. Awesome. Okay. Right, perfect. It's going to be another fine episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I forgot. I got it wrong. It's supposed to be Deutschland Uber always. No. All right. <laughs> um, well, this week, everybody, we are going to talk about the Wonderland Murders, which took place on the 1st of July, 1981 in Los Angeles, California. 
And a quick warning to our listeners, this story covers a very brutal murder and it's going to have a lot of conversation surrounding drugs and pornography. So if mm-hmm. that bothers you, turn us off now. But Or more importantly, if you have little ears around, you need to pause us now and come back later on your own. Little ears don't need this. Yeah, or, you know, know, get those those ear extension little, things. Come little, on. Little earbuds? Herf- headphones? No, you know, the things that make your ears look bigger. The Spock ears? Yeah. Why? Well, Put them on the so kid? that you don't look like you have little ears anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it would be kind of hard to have little ears, wouldn't it? I'm actually, oh. thinking about it, you've got kind of little ears. Okay. okay. Let's, right. We're going to keep going. Um, so before I move into anything about the story, I do want to say that this was a listener suggestion. The first person to suggest this was Angel. So thank oh. you, Angel. And anybody else who suggested it, thank you as well. Just don't have those written down. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, I want to give a shout out to Elena, or maybe it's Elena, who was all hurt because I did an episode and I forgot to give her a shout out. So I'm sorry, Elena. I, tell I apologize. Him every time to yeah. look at the list. <laughs> I know. And he I tells know. me he will. Listen, that list is big. It is. Uh, mm-hmm. But so it does hard. have a search function like our website. Yeah, that's uh, true. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into our story. Uh, this story is typically either referred to as the Wonderland Murders, or sometimes you'll hear it called, uh, the police actually started calling it this, was the Four on the Floor Murders. You can probably guess by that second name that four people were killed, and if you know Los Angeles at all, you are going to be aware of, in the valley, it's uh, Wonderland Ave, and it's, uh, what's the name of the valley? I just suddenly lost it. Oh, it's, uh, da, 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 da. it's Laurel Canyon. Yeah. So it's right. it's in Laurel Canyon, which Canyon, is Canyon, where... not Valley. I know. I I am already screwing it up. See, we haven't done this in so long. I don't know how to talk. Yeah. Where's yeah. the normal? You haven't spoken in like a month. I really haven't. I know. Took a vow of silence. I Everybody know. was happy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that is where it took all of this took place. So here's what we know as we take the story from the start. Sometime in the night or possibly in the early morning hours of July 1st, 1981, someone gained access to the three-story house at 8763 Wonderland Ave, and they proceeded to go through the house and beat every person they found to death or nearly to death with a pipe. Or pipes. Pipes. Yeah, possibly plural. We know that they were using pipes because of the fact that they were threaded pipes. They had threads on the end. Mm, They left a little impression, didn't they? And they left impressions in the bodies as well as the walls and the furniture. Rough. And their heads. In the bodies and the furniture. Yes, (laughs) in everything. It's Yeah, it was brutal. At the time of this attack, there were five people in the house. Uh, The first person was 22-year-old Barbara Richardson. I thought you said four. Four people died. Oh. Five people were in the house. Oh, it's a happy story. Sort of. Okay. Kind of. Yeah, she got brain damage. Um, Yeah. Well, no. Okay. So Barbara's the first person. Now, Barbara was the girlfriend of a man named David Lind. Uh, David Lind wasn't in the house at the time, but we're going to talk about him a little bit more later on. Uh, But she was sleeping downstairs on the couch and was most likely the first one to die because she was sleeping near the front door. And the the access was gained from the front door, probably. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There was there was a garage and a front door, and from what I can gather, I've never seen 
I've never gotten a good picture of the garage to say that there was stairs. I think it was you parked in the garage and then you walked up the mm. front steps. Like that's, more like a carport sort of situation. Yes. Well, it was it was mm. under the house. Oh, yeah. okay. That's my impression is it's, you go around to the right side of the house and there's there's an external stairway. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing is that we, I've seen the police footage and that's where I was trying to figure out if there was internal stairs from the garage. Whenever you go on like Google Street View, of course the garage door is closed. Right. Yeah. Because somebody no lives there. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Anywho, the access is most likely from the front door, which okay. was on the side of the house, and she was sleeping on a couch on that floor that would have been near that door, so she's probably the first one to die. Okay. Or she, more likely, she might have been the, the person who got up and answered the door. If <laughs> if she did indeed let somebody in, then yeah, she would have been the first one to die. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. That It wouldn't have been died in her sleep. Yeah. She'd have been awake for it. But that's hard to tell. It, yeah, that's complete and total conjecture. We go to uh, the first bedroom, which I believe is on the same floor. The layout of this house is weird because it's kind of narrow and tall. Yeah, skinny and tall because lots in that area because it's expensive. Yeah. It's, it's like San Francisco, you know, skinny, tall townhomes, mm-hmm. kinds of homes. So yeah. I believe the bedroom that was also on the first floor, but in that bedroom, um, there was Ron Lanius and his wife, Susan. Um, now, Susan... Bad timing on her part wasn't normally there. She was visiting to try and fix her marriage with with Ron Lanius, but they were sleeping in this first floor bedroom and they were probably the second and the third to be attacked. She, uh, he, he was beaten to death. He was killed. She, however, was not killed. She was beaten so severely that she suffered brain damage and amnesia. She has memory loss for the whole event. She doesn't remember anything. Well, reasonably, she was beat so bad that they thought they had killed her. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It makes total sense yeah. that she didn't, her brain didn't catalog mm-hmm. that. Her she brain just, was she, dead maybe for a while. No, yeah. She played possum effectively. I don't think intentionally. More uh, yeah, I think her brain might have been like, okay, bye. Yeah, yeah. brain shut down. Yeah. Um, but okay, so then we're going to move upstairs. So now we have two people who are dead and one who's alive. If we go upstairs to the master bedroom, Billy Deverell and his girlfriend, Joy Miller. Uh, Joy Miller, it was her house. She yeah. owned the house. And Billy was, you know, obviously her live-in boyfriend. And by the way, she's, she's kind of, I mean, all these people are, are a little bit tragic in a sense. Because I've seen pictures of Joy when she was younger. And she was damn good She was good stunning. Looking. She was, yeah. And by the end, she was this, this What about awful... Billy? Billy was Billy was... good looking? He was, he was like a average looking guy. He was kind of an what average What about Ron? Guy. Was he good looking? No, no, none mm-hmm. of them. I mean, there was nothing outstanding about any of these people in the looks department. Except she was for the Joy. only one. But by, by, by this by she, the time she, she had died, come from a rather affluent beginning. Yeah. And then she had slid downhill. Well, one would assume use. she owned owned a home in L.A. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Even yeah. in the 80s, that's mm-hmm. still... Yeah, but she apparently looked like crap by the time she died. But yeah, no, she looked really bad by the end just because of the drugs. But um, So anyway, they, they are in the master bedroom, and they were also both beaten to death. Okay. There is footage available of this crime scene. The police who went into it, they described it as an utter bloodbath. They said it looked like somebody had walked through the house with buckets of blood throwing it around. That's how brutally these people were beaten. Mm-hmm. They, this is, was one of this was such a drum, just crazy scene that for the first time ever, the Los Angeles Police Department took a video.
video camera in and video videotape the entire scene. Got to remember this is 1981. Video technology is not something the cops normally would have access to, but they recorded the whole thing. That's available on the internet. I'm going to tell you now that it is not for the faint of heart. If the sight of blood bothers you, I wouldn't watch it. We're probably not going to link to it, but it is through a very simple string of Google. You can find it. So how did the police find out about this, though? It's a very good question. So we don't know if the attack happened in the late night or early morning of the 1st of July, but... The dark hours. The dark hours. But sometime during the middle of the day on the 1st of July, there's a guy working next door. He, uh, he was a mover. And he kept hearing moans. He kept hearing noises. And what he turned out he was hearing was Susan, because she was alive. Were they kind of townhouses, like really close together? They're super oh, yeah. close together. Yeah. So, okay, They're super yeah. tight. There is, there's probably 10, 5 feet between them at yeah. the most. He, okay. did, he didn't Google this? Did street view it? No. You know me, I always have to. I know yeah. you do. We, we do. Just... Yeah. Uh, but no, they're they right next to each other. And so what he did is he walked up the house and he could, he, I think he looked in the door and he could see. And that's all he needed. That's all he needed. And he called the cops. And so the cops came and some of the bodies were so badly beaten that they couldn't identify them from their faces. It took fingerprints. Mm. And luckily they'd all been arrested before, right? They had yeah. all been uh, it through the system. Yeah. 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 So their, their sure. prints were in the system. Luckily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Made it easier. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it turns out that whoever had co committed this act... Theoretically, at least, we believe, or the police believe, that whoever committed the, these murders, what they did is after they'd killed everybody, they tore the house apart because it was an utter disaster. And they believe that what was going on is that they were, uh, they were looking for drugs and money. Mm. Oh, oh, no doubt. This was, well, this was a drug house. It was a drug house. They were and dealers. That's, that's exactly why, is that... If you haven't heard of this story before, you, uh, you've got to be let in on this little secret, which is Ron, Billy, and Susan were part of what was known as the Wonderland Gang. The gang was notorious for selling drugs out of the house, and primarily they were selling cocaine. They were all hooked on um, heroin. But they they sold coke because coke made the most money. And I heard that these guys were actually kind of blatant about what they were doing because yeah. like, I heard about like you know people would come by and instead of coming into the house they would just go out to the lower balcony and just say toss me the toss me the water cash and then they would drop the drop the drugs down into their hands. Yes, I and, mean it was the eighties in L.A. It's not as though you know people it was the were late seventies really early eighties when they were operating. Everybody was doing that stuff. Yeah. It, it was kind of commonplace. Yeah. Uh, I guess no offense to anybody who's offended by that. No, I meant it. I meant the offense. I'm sorry. Sounds fair. For saying that everybody was doing coke in the oh, 80s in no, L.A. No, 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 my mom, For reference, my mom lived in L.A. in the late 70s, early 80s. So I... I know. You've heard some stories. I've heard some stuff. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Let me, let me give you a... Let me give you some information on what a class act the Wonderland Gang was. So what they would do is they would sell drugs, 
But to acquire drugs, yeah, they would buy drugs and resell them at a higher price, but they would also steal drugs. And what they would do is they would go to other dealers, they would steal, get police badges, you know, stolen or fake, whichever, and bust into somebody's house pretending to be the cops, steal all their drugs and money, and then turn around and sell those drugs back on the street mm -hmm. and so there was nothing but but pure profit at that yeah time. and really what are you gonna do you can't call the cops and be like hey somebody stole my cocaine well there actually is one thing you can do you can go by and beat them to death with a pipe if you know who it is yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, well, that's the thing is that these guys they they had to look like cops so it wasn't as if they wore masks if they mm -hmm. showed up with police badges and masks everybody like you're not really a cop screw right. you right but mm -hmm. when you show up as a you know with a gun and a badge People tend to not resist. Yeah. And that's, that's how they worked their magic. Um, this reminds me of uh, the first season of True Detective. Yeah. You know, do you see, did you watch that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really yeah. good. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Yeah. When, you know, he goes undercover. Yeah. As, Going to the house. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. 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 I know what you're talking about. Crazy good series. Mm -hmm. Gotta recommend that. Yep. So here's the thing is that drugs, people are coming and going to this house all the time and drugs are being sold out of the house all the time. So that's part of the reason that when the attack took place, it wasn't reported because all the neighbors, I, I mean, it, it had to have been loud. There had to be screams and shouts of just, you know, pure terror and pain and mm -hmm. agony. Maybe. And nobody called the cops because they were like, another friggin party next door and they're just hopped up and they would either ignore it or as one lady said she turned up the tv to drown it out yeah you know what i've actually noticed particularly if you are used to hearing screams a lot it's hard to delineate screams of like joy and ecstasy. the differentiation yeah from screams of pain particularly if you know, if, I mean, like, okay, so if, if any of our neighbors started screaming, we would immediately be like, oh, God, something's wrong, right? Yeah. Mm. But if they're screaming all the time If you partying, live next to a screamer, yeah, you start to tune it out. Right. And you definitely aren't going to tune in if suddenly it sounds a little different. Yeah. So... You know, I know that there mm. are people out there who will always say, "Well, no, you would, you can tell the difference between those screams," but I don't. Well, the think other thing is, can. the neighbors might have heard the screams and thought, "It sounds like somebody's being murdered," but I really don't like those people, right? So, or <laughs> even like, that. Yeah. or even they've beat some other people up in the house before. Like the people who live there would bring people and beat them. You know, like it's not. Yeah, if somebody of. tries to screw you on a deal in your house, it's a it's a well known fact yeah. that. People get their, their ass handed to them yeah. for doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you'd be used to hearing this stuff. Yeah. So, we're, we're going to keep moving on here. Um, as, uh, as always, on the 1st of July, people showed up at Wonderland Ave at that house. This is not the cops. This is not the mover. Yeah. This is people who want their drugs. Yeah. As in, I need to get my fix, show up. And nobody answers the door, and it seems that the door at this point was unlocked and open because people apparently were wandering through the house and going, oh, look, there's blood everywhere, and they're dead. Hey, I'm going to ransack the place. I'm going to ransack the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I can get some money. to. I can sell this stuff to get some drugs, and maybe they got drugs, and maybe they got money. And yeah. 
And so all, the, so all was, their buddies, all their buddies, see the corpses and don't call the cops. They just ransack the place. Yeah, I mean, and so people a great were just class of people tearing through the house. Yeah. So it made the crime scene just that much more difficult for the police. I watched a video with I think it was the chief at the time, and you could tell that he was friggin' livid over the fact that people and he didn't like addicts. I could tell that, and he was just super mad that they had been going through the house while all these people were dead and mm-hmm. just didn't didn't care. Uh, I don't I mean, it's hard a little bit. I think if you're a drug addict, a lot of times you aren't thinking I'm going to pull the Steve thinking here, clearly. right? You're not thinking clearly and rationally. Mm-hmm. So you show up to your drug dealer's house who's known drug dealers mm-hmm. and you're there, you know, at in the morning or whatever and you see that they're murdered. And you call the cops and they say, okay, like you're probably, this is the scenario you run through in your head, right? You're like, okay, well, if I call the cops, the cops are going to ask what I'm doing here. And I don't have a good reason reason to be here. So uh, like you guys were cool. I'm sorry that this happened to you, but I would rather not get thrown in jail. I'm going to be a suspect. They're going to book me. I'm going to be in jail for the rest of my life. I'm not going to do drugs for a while. I totally understand them them just walking away. I I totally But also there's such a thing thing as like anonymous 911 calls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about it is, is, is they, those guys had every reason to believe that somebody just like him was going to show up 20 minutes later, an hour later, and, you know, mm-hmm. and discover the bodies. So they just figure, yeah. hey, yeah. I'll do a quick search, see if I can find some smack or a little cash, and, 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 I wanna, and then just leave. I do want to say something, because we're, we're about to go into, we're going to dive pretty deep into some drug-addled behavior, some junkie behavior, and they're... It's going to come clear. I'm I'm just going to be honest about this. I don't like junkies, and that's a personal belief. I have problems with them. Now, there is there are people who think differently than I and believe that you shouldn't blame someone who is suffering from an addiction. Well, it's... I know. don't agree with that. So my point is... I'm saying this now. Let's agree to disagree. Please don't send me emails to correct my thinking. Yeah, this I'll, is just my belief based on my experiences in life. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this and that is it happens to the best of us. It, it really does. does. It happens it, to it, great people and it happens but, to not so great people. And let's just leave it there yeah. and let's move forward with the story. I guess I was just going to add oh, that yeah. it is my sense that these people, drug addled or not, were not necessarily good people no. anyway. They yeah. were They were not. Um, <laughs> And so yeah. I so I think what Steve is trying to say is that this is not a sweeping generalization of everybody who's ever done drugs ever. No, We're no, just no. talking about these people and we are probably gonna like forget and use some uh, more it's, it's gonna come across if we're not careful as bashing and i uh, and if it does it's unintentional but things but we're also please, please you know drink. sitting in a studio drinking beer so like sorry guys well, but yeah. well, just, I'm only drinking beer here's our disclaimer It's not a sweeping generalization, even when it sounds like it. Okay. So let's move on. I want to talk. uh, So we just, we talked about all these lovely folks who have come through the house and probably sifted through their belongings. Let's talk about a very well-known person who frequented the house on Wonderland Avenue. Yeah. He was in and out of there all the time. Yeah. And that would be John Holmes. Yes. John Holmes of the 13 and a half inch notoriety. Yeah, he was uh, known for one thing. He's he's yeah, a very big star. Yeah, yeah, he is. Or he and, was, I should say. He's and he had now. a long career, and it, kind of really a, a big width of a career as well. It yeah. was. Yeah, it, it really was. It just spanned yeah. a lot of different. He, 
He kind of, he, he did. God, he ate the whole hog. Mm-hmm. Um, on a really odd side note here, before we get too much into John Holmes or John Holmes. Um, anyway, um, on a side note, this somehow has turned out to be the second story in a row where I've had Val Kilmer playing the lead role uh, of the person in my story. Well, isn't that the new theme of our podcast? No. Val Kilmer movies? <laughs> no. Well, it should be. Because he was in the lion one that I, yeah, I did last the sorrow, time. Yeah, the ghost in the darkness. Yeah, and and he was in a movie called Wonderland portraying John Holmes, which it's, I will not recommend anybody watch. It doesn't hold up. Just a conspiracy. Oh, is he in... It's a conspiracy? He was in a movie called Conspiracy, but, you know... Ugh. Okay. He was in a lot of movies. Oh, well. He also, you know, I think it's it's easy to find um, films with Val Kilmer. I mean, you know, given his, like, really tragic past of, you know, both of his parents being murdered. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he, him, like, really facing his deepest suit. fear of, of bats. bats. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was definitely another one of his good movies. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, okay, if anybody has ever seen the movie Boogie Nights, uh, that is loosely based on the life of John Holmes. It's alright. Mm. It's okay. You can no. Oh, you can keep going. Nice. I'll, I'll I'll definitely not cut that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, if. if if some of the stuff that we talk about sounds familiar, if you've seen that movie, it's because it was modeled after his life. And we're now going to have to wait till Devin and Joe finish their yeah. musical interlude. Actually, that song was put to best effect in Airplane. Okay, let's not okay. get off track here. All right. <laughs> was that not in Boogie Nights? Uh, it may have been. It might have been. It was an airplane. It's true. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. It's okay. okay. I'm done. It's obvious we haven't done this in a while. Yeah. We're friggin' yeah. loopy and we're yeah, we 15 minutes in. Not back in our groove yet. Sorry. Um, okay. For those who don't know about John Holmes, uh, he was a porn star. He began his career as a nude model in the late or mid to late 60s and then moved over into making pornography in the 70s. Uh, because of the size of his package, he was uh, he was an instant star. He's yeah. kind of a freak. He show. was he was a huge star. Yeah, I uh, I heard the, the story about his first. He actually proposed this to this producer mm-hmm. and, and said, "Hey, I'd like to I'd like to be a porn star." And the guy like, took a look at him because let's face it, he didn't have that a really a manly physique. No, and there and was nothing great. He wasn't handsome by no, any manner of means. No, He's like a Ron Jeremy. Yeah. I think Ron, Ron Jeremy, Jeremy was much better looking think, than yeah. Holmes. Right. I just yeah. mean, like, yeah. Yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. The porcupine had a lot going on compared yeah. to him. But yeah, so. Uh, it's so a this, hedgehog. That's what it is. Yeah. But he, so this guy looks at Holmes and just says, ah, no, I don't think I'm interested. And then Holmes drops his pants and it's like, oh, I guess, yeah, I guess okay. we will. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah well, now I'm interested. Yeah. Yes. We are going to make a lot of films together. And they sir. did. <laughs> He did. So many Um, films. Thousands of films. He was in over 2,000 pornos in his lifetime. 
He says that he slept with over 14,000 women. Now, that's by Holmes' account. And he was a notorious liar, by the way. But yeah. I'm so sure it was thousands. I had no yeah, doubt about that. that. That's, well, that's, a, that's a hard part. We'll, we'll get into his lying here shortly. I mean, if he was in 2,000 pornos, he probably slept. I mean, I don't know. Well, so here, At least 1,000. Yeah. Let, me, let me give you this here. So he was in pornos. He was doing nude modeling. He would, um, he'd pimp himself out. He would have sex with people for money. And later on, it turns out he was having sex for drugs because John Holmes was a giant coke fiend. A huge coke fiend. Yeah, he was. Massive coke fiend. I am actually surprised the guy's heart didn't just explode. I mean, he was doing that stuff in such quantities. You know what? He loved doing really long lines. He obviously had a very strong heart to be able to perform in that field the way he did. Yeah. God, there's so many freaking jokes here. Oh, okay. According to Holmes, um, okay, so yeah, he was he was a huge coke fiend, and he was. This is just kind of his money aspect of it, because Holmes made a lot of claims. As Joe said, he was kind of a notorious liar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he claimed at one point that he was making seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. This is in the seventies, mind you, which that's got to be over a million, million and a half in today's money uh, at least. Um, probably more. Like several million, actually. Yeah, but um, he was, yeah, because uh, yeah, he was making all that money from, like I said, through movies, photos, and turning tricks. Yeah, I, uh, private I, events. He called them private events. Yeah, I don't know if it was seven fifty, but I'm sure he was making a pile of money. He was making a huge pile yeah, of money. I'm sure he was. Um, now, Too many flushed it all down the toilet on drugs. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is that when John Holmes first got into the industry, he didn't smoke. Or he smoked cigarettes, but he yeah. didn't do anything else. Yeah, and no, then, not even pot. And then he started doing pot. And he started doing quaaludes, and he started doing coke, and it just it just progressively got more and more and more. Um, Four point five million. Four point yeah, five million. Right. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I guess the guy had a kind of an addictive personality. He certainly seemed addicted to sex. Yeah. Um, and and by the end of the seventies, he uh, into the early eighties, he had progressed his usage had progressed to the point that he was freebasing cocaine, which is the equivalent of crack, yeah. as far as I understand. And he was, you know, he's taking as many drugs as he can. He was known, this is how much, this is how much drugs this guy would take. He was known for carrying a briefcase at all times. And in that briefcase was his drugs and his paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. And he was yeah. taking a hit every five to 15 minutes. Yeah. Must be nice. Well, it had a negative side effect, which is that his his main claim to fame was no longer functional. Yeah, huge drawback. A huge downfall. Yeah, yeah. He just couldn't get it. A huge liability. I mean, yeah. It was. It was. It was actually mark on. It was actually kind of small and flaccid at that point. Well, I'm I'm relatively small. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's still no one's that much bigger than my arm. But anyway, so yeah, when you show up the set and you you know you can't perform well well the problem was is that he, he, he couldn't perform he also only wanted to do drugs so he would be they couldn't find him and then they'd yeah. find him and he was just high as a kite so he just he got blacklisted he people gave him chances and eventually everybody was like dude get out we yeah. don't care now, you, they he, called him the king 
and the king had left the building. Yeah, he the was. The king had been kicked out of the building. He actually. was truly the king of porn there for a while, but yeah, by the end they were they were joking that. Uh, the only way to get him on the set was to leave a trail of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Yeah. <laughs> so, so at this point, he's gone from making all of this money to not being able to work, but he's still got this massive addiction, and he's got to figure out how to support it. At one point, he took to um, he took to stealing from cars, you know, stealing stuff out of cars. Sure. He would also go to Los Angeles International Airport and walk up to baggage claim and just grab a couple bags and walk away to sell what he found in the bag. Yeah, yeah. I know this seems silly, but, like, I just don't understand why people don't do that these days still. I think there's more security. Yeah, I think there's not that much security about, around baggage claim. I think there's more security than you realize. I mean, there's I've cameras. At, yeah. yeah, and I've stood at baggage claim and waited for people, and I've noticed the security just because I was standing around. Okay, yeah. all right, fine. I don't know when I, yeah, when I was at that age, because I was alive back then, it, it was typically kind of a spot check kind of thing, so yeah. you could get busted. There might be a guy that will walk up and say, hey... You know, can I check your can I check your ticket against your bag? But not always. Yeah, not so always. Probably, and, and you could yeah. just drop the bags and run, and the sure. guy was most likely just going to pick the bags up and put them back on the carousel. Oh, sure. So at this point, like I said, he's stealing to make money. He um, scumbag that he is. He's also doing some other really terrible things. Holmes was married when he got into the porn business, and his wife was not down with it. Yeah. Well, I, I like the I like the way he just sort of like come. He started doing porns without telling her, and then one day he comes home and says, "Hey, I found my I found my calling in life." And yeah. she says, "Really? What is it?" I want to be a porn star. and I, mean, I just want to sleep with a bunch of other ladies on camera for money. Yeah, yeah. and she was not okay with it. I understand. But she wouldn't. She didn't divorce it. That's what I don't understand. They were married for 10 years. They were together. She didn't sleep with him after he started uh, performing. I, okay, I was I, this is going to seem really, really um, jaded, probably. Mm -hmm. But I totally understand. If she even saw like a couple of them and saw his upward trajectory and was able, <laughs> yeah. sorry, and was able to realize that he was probably going to make a lot of money doing porn. If she waited to divorce him, she could make a bigger claim mm -hmm. on what he would owe her in alimony that, because she was used to a higher standard of living, quote unquote. And That's I am, a good point. And you know, I never, I never, I know that they were married for 10 years. I never looked at, I think that by the time she divorced him, mm -hmm. he was a total addict and he had dime zero. Yeah, but I'm sure she could make that, I mean, she could at the very least be making a claim she did. Against, against more of Well, his. you can sue a guy who has zero dollars for a million and you're still going to end up with zero. Absolutely, but if he ever comes back into money, he owes you a lot of back stuff. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Hi! That I hope and, our listeners aren't judging me right okay. now. Yeah, they are, but I, I gotta say, in the end, it was a bad call on her part because he wound up costing her a pile of money. I agree. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He came and went, and he used her a lot. I like the time he stole her credit card and, oh. and charged up thirty thousand dollars or something like that like, of TVs. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and then stuff. turned around, and sold it all. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, we were, but we fell a little off track here. We were talking about. So he about, was married. So he was married, yeah. and he was out of money, and he needed to find a way to make money. And uh, it turns out he wasn't above pimping out his girlfriend, Dawn. Mm. By the way, he started dating Dawn when she was 15. And he was? He was a 25, 30-year-old man at that point. Mm -hmm. and reminds by, me of Ken McElroy. And 
by yeah, and by the time that he started pimping her out, they had been together for five years, so she was now twenty. Well, and at least totally that. hooked on coke. Yeah, he got he he hooked her on drugs, and then he put her on the street. And there are some terrible interviews of the things that he would do. So he he did really bad things with a lot of people, and everybody in the business kind of hated him. Yeah. Uh, they, they, there's an interview I was watching, um, where somebody was talking about the fact that how, what a massive liar he was. And they said, John Holmes lied as much as he breathed. Mm. He would open his mouth and garbage would come out. And he was known for screwing people over that he knew somebody, uh, there was an interview I watched where a lady said, yeah, we made the mistake of telling John we were going to be going oh, yeah. running errands in the one. morning and not home till noon. And they came home at noon and their house was empty yeah like she said everything that, she said that basically I, anything that was worth more than maybe three or four bucks he had taken yeah i gotta i gotta tell you after researching his life and after watching that that bbc documentary i just, mm-hmm. I just wanted to spray myself with disinfectant <laughs> <laughs> bbc documentary yeah uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah <laughs> So I think I think it's pretty easy to say at this point that Holmes was not going to win any Man of the Year awards. Uh, no, he was he was completely skeezy. And so he was connected to the Wonderland gang. He was. Um, what what happens here is that Holmes is connected. the uh, The cops on the tenth of July they had figured out that Holmes was one of the known characters that went around that house. And they found he and Don holed up in a hotel on the 10th of July. And they they went in and they grabbed him. And Holmes, at least at first, told them a story that they really liked, which we'll get into here shortly. Uh, he, they tell him, or he tells them this story. He says, you've got to protect me. You've got to put me in witness protection. You've got to do all this stuff. Get Dawn. Get my wife. Lock us all up so we're safe. Yada, yada, yada. All three of us. All three. And they do. They all are in a suite with the police for like two weeks. Yeah. Except that, then, uh... then he, he clams up and he won't tell the police anything else. And the little bits he gives them, he is changing the story. And... It's all morphing, and eventually the Los Angeles Police Department has had enough of him, and they cut him free. They're like, we give up, dude. We're done with you. Get mm-hmm. out. We're not, we're not protecting you. You're not telling us anything. Yeah. Because he did. He just completely clammed up with these, oh, well, I can't tell you because it's going to be a danger to everybody and blah, 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 blah. I mean, just a, a typical garbage. There was another word I was going to try and say there, and I, I killed him. So, yeah. um, he was not a reliable person. No, he wasn't. Um, and so they, uh, they they let him go. Eventually, though, the cops would decide that Holmes must be the responsible party through one form or another in the Wonderland murders. Well, he was connected. They found a palm print. You know, mm-hmm. so. And yeah. so the cops hauled him in, and uh, they, they had to chase him down to Florida to get him, but they eventually found him. Florida man strikes again. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they put him on trial, but he got off scot-free. They couldn't make the charges stick because the well, case was pretty circumstantial. There's not any evidence, really. Yeah. A, a tiny amount, but not much. So at this point... What 
we have in our story that we've spent all this time talking about is we have a house full of dead people and nobody who we can say for sure is responsible. So at this point, I think it's time to go to the theory machine. Theory machine! Theory number one is that this is the revenge plot of Eddie Nash and Gregory Diles. Mm -hmm. And this theory is the most popular. Hugely popular, especially with the Los Angeles Police Department. It's huge. Huge. Gigantic. Yeah, of course. 13 and a half inches. Yeah, but the only weakness to this theory is it it sort of relies kind of mostly on the testimony of John Holmes. So it's flaccid. Yeah, yeah, it's a little drug addled. Yeah, it's a limp theory. It's yeah. Um, So let's go ahead and stop making jokes, and we're going to get into the actual meat of this theory, which is that we're going to beat the meat. A local drug heavyweight by the name of Eddie Nash, who, by the way, his real name was Adele Nasrallah. I hope I pronounced that right. And uh, not for law. Okay. But, uh, Apparently, he had been robbed somewhere between one to three days prior to the murders taking place. And Eddie Nash, uh, for a little bit of background, he was a heavy hitter. He owned clubs and bars all over Los Angeles at the time. And he also sold a lot and did a lot of drugs. Yeah, he was actually, he's, uh, he's actually an all-American success story. He, he came to America from Palestine. And, with and nothing. With nothing. And, started and, a hot dog cart. Yeah. And turned that into a giant empire of clubs and cocaine. I know, and he did. And he was, he was not somebody that I would screw with. Personally. Oh, no. No, because he uh, he also just like uh, Holmes, he started doing drugs, and then he got into freebase. And once he started freebasing coke, he was uh, he was off his rails. But we'll talk about that yeah. in a second. But the other player in this theory is a guy named Gregory Dials, and Dials was a three hundred pound bodyguard slash enforcer who knocked heads for him. And he was a big, ugly, scary guy. And he supposedly knew kung fu or something like that. Okay, Keanu. Uh, No, if you look at this guy, it was like I don't see. He probably at one point trained in something when he was much lighter build, but then he got big and he just always said, I know Kung Fu or whatever, whichever one it was. I know Kung Fu. You know, actually, uh, I got to say that uh, I've known some people who are into martial arts and even if you're kind of fat, I mean... You know how to punch. You still you know how to kick. You, know, you still know the techniques. Yeah. You know, and you're still, you know, so you can still do it. But he but wasn't I mean, posing when you get to, just because he was a big guy. Yeah, and when you get to the five, 600 pound stage, well, then you're kind of fat and helpless, but, you know, at 300 pounds, you can still move pretty well, yeah. I think. You know, so, uh, according to the... Okay, well, actually, not according to the series. It's, it's pretty well known. John Holmes and Eddie Nash were buddies. They yeah. loved to do drugs together. Yeah, I mean, John Holmes, like you know, he used Eddie because Eddie always had... Always had drugs, mm-hmm. and Eddie liked John Holmes because Holmes was a celebrity. Exactly. Yeah. And then it turned out Holmes might have been a little bit of an anaconda. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of did choke the life out of this whole situation because um, what happened here is that Holmes would buy Coke from Nash, but eventually he'd run out of credit. I mean, Nash would give him credit, but you got to cut a guy off at a certain point. Sure. And he did. And it's at that point where Nash would no longer just give him coke on credit that he started hanging out with the Wonderland gang. 
most of the gang apparently didn't really like Holmes. Uh, it, I think it's Deverell who took pity on him and let him hang around and run odd jobs for them in exchange for drugs. Well, he was a drug mule, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they'd have him do stuff to get to get drugs, but there are but there are stories, however, the the, the abuse that he took for what he did. Uh, Lanius, uh, Ron Lanius didn't like him. He actually sounds, kind of hated him. Sounds like he didn't like him that much. Yeah. He didn't like him at all because there are there are all these stories where they they were like we said they had parties at the house. People are coming and going, and Lanius would make Holmes pull out his Johnson on command in the middle of a party just although, to show it to people. Although, oh, you want to uh, touch it? Go ahead and touch it. Check it out. Yeah, yeah although, there uh, it is. Holmes was was exceptionally proud of his member, and so it. Probably wasn't that sadistic on Lonnie's part because. I'm but but there's there's a difference between I'm I'm talking to you trying to make a drug deal and you say whip it out. Yeah, I know. And there's show it to the lady there, over there. There's a difference between saying hey, why don't you show it to everybody and saying hey, show it now. You exactly. Know? There, there is that difference. I Here's guess a that. question. Yes. Who who was actually in charge of the Wonderland gang? So it's appears I think Lonius that Lonius was the, leader, was, right? the, the, was the ringleader. Okay. He was kind of the man it in wasn't, charge. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I forgot her name. The woman who owned the house. Oh, no. Miller? Joy yeah, Miller? It wasn't her. No, okay. no, nor her boyfriend. Who it was, was actually Deverell. a dude who was in charge. Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. Uh, actually, the lady that owned the house, she was a complete and total piece of work as well. Uh, she is described as the most foul-mouthed heroin addict ever. She was not a nice lady. So it, it doesn't surprise me that she fell in with this crowd. She was very vicious, okay. as apparently Lanius was mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, they all were kind of just yeah. degenerate scumbags. Um, so so yeah. what, what's going on here is the Wonderland gang, uh, after Nash says you, you can't just buy Coke on credit, you gotta got to pay me, and... Now Holmes is hanging out with the Wonderland gang. They they send him out to make a deal or to make a run of some kind. I, I, the details are sketchy. No no surprise here. They sent him out. It's basically they sent him out with a bag of coke, and he didn't. And he, he and the whole he lost it. Yeah, the, but the, he probably snorted it. Right. But, the whole uh, thing went bad, and they said, "Listen, you're going to make it up to us, or we're going to kill you." Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're we're gonna get our money out of you one way or the other, Bob. And so what what frickin' Holmes' brilliant plan is is hey, let's rob Eddie Nash. Well Eddie Nash had tons and tons of drugs and money in his and house. And so jewelry and idea. guns yeah. and all kinds of things of value in his home. But here's the thing about Nash. He was absolutely insane. At, at this point, the man had been doing drugs in such quantity that he locked himself in his house. He would only do business from his home. Uh, he he used to love to walk around uh, around in a robe and a speedo. He was a paranoid. He was a sadist. He was completely unhinged. If again, I'm gonna make I'm gonna go back to the movie reference earlier of Boogie Nights. If you've watched that movie and you remember there's a character uh, named Rahad Jackson, uh, he's played by Alfred Molina, mm-hmm. um, and there's the whole drug buying scene that goes south, that character is based on Nash, 
absolute nut job drug dealer. Yeah. Like the kind of guy that you just don't mess with. So what happens when you're freebasing and it eats holes in your brain. Uh, you know, it's really too bad about Nash because he, he it was such a success story. And he just, again, he, he and Johnny Holmes were perfect for each other. Because well, were, but, but Nash yeah. also did a lot of illicit things from the very Oh, yeah, beginning. for sure. It wasn't like he was a, a, an upstanding businessman who no, fell down no, the no, drug no. slope. No, but still, it's just like, you know, I mean, for both him and Holmes, things would have really been a lot better. Had they both had just they, not started? Yes. Yeah, they both, yeah. So here's, here's according to the theory, here's what goes down. The Wonderland Gang, as I said, says you need to make this up. He says, okay, let's rob Eddie Nash. So what they do is they send him over, they send Holmes over to Nash's house under the pretense of buying drugs with money that they've given him. He goes over there and over the course of several hours, you know, he's bought, he buys drugs from uh, Eddie Nash on with cash and then proceeds to do the drugs there, which takes hours while he's there, he sneakily unlocks a sliding glass door in a bedroom, and then he leaves. That morning, the Wonderland gang show up. So he goes up there in the evening. He goes back to their house. The gang shows up at Nash's house that morning with their badges. They come in through that sliding glass door, and they they rob Nash. They put Nash on his knees, and then on his belly, the same thing with dials. They, they've got him at gun, gunpoint saying, where are the cops? Where's it all at? And they tied him up, too. Right? And they or tied the him hand, up. They, they tied him up or handcuffed him? I, I think they tied him up. I oh, think they okay. tied him both up. Yeah. Uh, but but they, they robbed him, and they robbed them of anywhere between 100000 to a $1 million worth of of guns, cash, dr- uh, jewelry, and did I say drugs? Because yeah, there was you, lots of drugs. You didn't say drugs yet, but yeah, okay. drugs. And <laughs> along with whatever else they thought they could fence. Now, if the Wonderland gang did this, and by the way, they didn't kill anybody. I I call that a major error in judgment on their part. Yeah, that probably would have been the thing to do. <sighs> because here's what happens is uh, Nash is... Flipping out furious about this, and he sends dials out to figure out who did it, who hit him, and uh, he he wants to know. Now, like I said before, they, it's not as if they were wearing masks; they had right. police badges, but yeah. he just didn't know who they were. Dials goes out, and eventually he runs across John Holmes, who he knows. Holmes surprisingly is or strangely is wearing a ring that was stolen in the robbery yeah that's uh that's i know that's such a dumb move yeah <laughs> i mean really um, I, i'm sure he just found that a convenient way to, to hang on to it while he was walking around trying to find a place to pawn it i'm i'm i imagine and, i don't i yeah by I the way know. I, I want to again put this in here. We've talked at length about this, but this is still the theory. This is the story that is believed by the LAPD. We've been saying a lot of this as if we know it truly happened. Yeah, we don't. We don't know no. that any of this happened. I just realized that we were saying this with such conviction. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. yeah. So, here, according to the story, then what happens is Dials clocks, I'm, I'm sure he clocked Holmes, but he grabs Holmes. They drag him back to Nash's house while Nash is screaming and threatening at and, and threatening Holmes. Dials is beating the living daylights out of him. This particular bit of the story does have support, 
And that support comes from a man by the name of Scott Thorson. Thorson was, uh, does, you guys both know who Liberace was. Yeah. yeah. He was a very famous singer at the in the 70s and, and early 80s. And he had a lover, Scott, who uh, was at Nash's house and... Is that the guy from behind the candelabra? Yeah. Liberace? Yeah, yeah, candelabra yeah. and all that. Yeah, I think so, it yeah. went back even yeah. earlier in the 70s. But you're saying they were lovers? The Thorson and Liberace? Yeah. Are you saying Liberace was gay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. gay? That is undeniably... Oh, I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> you might need to rethink your seduction tactics now, huh? <laughs> It's all making sense. Oh, Joe brings a wow. woman over and he plays Liberace and she leaves. And he's like, what happened? <laughs> that guy was such a player. He I puts know. his coats on. He does I the candelabra. The guy was such a, such a great dresser. And, <laughs> you know, he's always been my role model. Oh, my so, God. So, Thorson and Liberace had a, a a thing going, but what you need to understand about Scott Thorson is he was just as deeply into drugs as the rest of them. He was at Nash's house for at least a day on a bender. He Liberace eventually cut their relationship off because he was stealing Liberace's stuff and selling it yeah, for drugs. Again, that's why junkies just don't make good friends. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so that's that's where the there's this whole backup of Nash was screaming and threatening, and Dials was beating the holy crap out of John Holmes. And Holmes part is, of the story. And Holmes is thinking, "Wow, it's kind of a tactical error to wear that ring." Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, according to this theory, eventually Holmes gives in and he he spills it all, and at that point. Nash orders Dials to go to the Wonderland house and take John Holmes with him. And they, those two, plus two other men, go to the house to, quote-unquote, pay them back. They uh, they want to get the drugs and the money and everything else has been stolen. And, plus and teach them a little lesson. And maybe. give them a little bit of revenge, absolutely. The house itself had a buzzer at the door. You had, a, had an intercom, buzzer, steel, great door system. Yeah, that's why Holmes was necessary. Holmes was totally necessary because Holmes was their key to get in the door. According to the theory, what happens is that as soon as Holmes gets the door open, those guys rush in. Holmes is held at gunpoint, and then they run through the house with pipes of flailing, killing four out of the five people. So that they make the home. Holmes watch it. Mm. Or at least watch part of it. Which yes. is why his palm prints and fingerprints were found at the scene of the Possibly. Crime. So yes, here's the thing the about the, the it's a palm print is what is found of Holmes. And the palm print is listed in one of two places, which is infuriating to me. Mm -hmm. Because it's either it was on a wall or it was on a footboard. I heard it was on a like a bedboard. Right, the, yeah. the footboard. Yeah. The footboard of the bed. Not the headboard, the footboard. Okay. But the problem is is that you know what I've never found? Was it just a palm print, or was it the bloody palm print? Because yeah. if it was the bl bloody palm print, I feel like the, the case against him would have stuck. 
if it's a regular print, the guy was in the house on a regular basis. Exactly. But this is my problem with the, the, the LAPD's theory is that if it was a bloody handprint, how the hell did you not get your ducks a row and, and enough to prove that this guy was culpable? Well, well no, you can't really. I mean, if this, guy is, if this guy has this story that they held him at gunpoint, which, by the way, I don't believe they did. I, I think that that was his, that was, he was there, mm-hmm. you know, probably, maybe. But I don't think it would have been necessary to hold him at gunpoint. He would have been just standing there terrified, and he would have either tried to slip away or just prayed that he wouldn't get killed. But, you know, there was no need to hold him at gunpoint. Right. And plus, by the way, Holmes had every reason to be angry with the Wonderland gang. Oh, they treated they, him like a dog. Yeah, yeah. they did. And, and also, he, he actually dreamed up this operation to rob Eddie Nash. And they got away with a pile of drugs and money and jewelry. And they, they hardly gave him anything. They well, completely ripped him off. He had reason to be angry with them. So, I guess I think a, even a bloody palm print, just to circle back here, isn't that much crazier. Conclusive. I mean... As we've described it, and as we've maybe all watched on video, like it was a bloodbath in there. And mm-hmm. if he was there, it's not unreasonable to assume that even at gunpoint, even forced to watch parts of it, a bloody handprint, palm print left there. Like that's not crazy, particularly if he I was know. held at gunpoint and they're like, all right, get up. And he, you know, puts his hand in blood and puts it on the wall to help himself get or up. Or a footboard, whichever. Or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not, that doesn't prove culpability to but, me. But, the, but the, the LAPD's case was that because the, he was there and the story that they had been told, he was the mastermind of the robbery against Nash, which put him in a position of being responsible for the deaths of these four people. Yeah. Now, let me let me talk about where they got some of that because we have talked uh we very briefly talked about David Lind in the beginning. Lind testified for the LAPD and Lind was his girlfriend was the first was the lady that was on the the first floor who was uh who the Barbara Richardson yeah, yeah. first one who yeah. was killed or likely of the first one who was killed. Yeah, uh, so here's the thing about Lind. He was brought in. I'm, from memory, I want to say it was Lanius who brought him in. Lanius and he had spent time together in jail. They'd shared cell, I think, maybe. But they knew each other from jail. He was brought in to help them expand their drug-selling empire. He was a biker, drug-selling, white supremacist d- guy. He, he he was an enforcer. There was, again, a words, I, words I'm trying not yeah. to say. <laughs> he wasn't a nice man. He was yeah. a knee-breaker, yeah. And he is... Uh, he he wasn't at the house that night because he had decided to go to a bar and was drinking and then decided to take a hooker to a motel room where they did drugs together. And there's a lot of air quotes around what they did together, but drugs was probably involved in at least I'm part of the night. I'm shocked that somebody who was a drug addict might do drugs with a hooker. There in might a hotel also be room. things they were doing, but the point is, his girlfriend is at the house, and he decides to just spend the night with a hooker, getting loaded. Lucky I for mean, this him. Is, well, it kept him alive, but it's it's again, it just kind of I'm I'm adding fuel to the fire about the character of this guy. Mm-hmm. He was also believed to have previous to his time in Los Angeles been a uh, a CI, a police informant. 
He only knew so much about what happened at the house. He could have given the story of what he knew. Let's say that the hit on Nash's house really took place. He was involved in it. He knew what happened. And he could say that Holmes came up with the scheme, whether he did or not doesn't matter but he could say that but then after that he has no idea what happened at the house because he was miles away in a hotel room it's really convenient that he removed himself from the scene yeah. on the night of the murder you know? it's also very convenient that he was an informant and so he would actually know exactly what to tell the cops to get a guy that he didn't like john holmes into a boatload of trouble so maybe we put a pin on that yeah for a second, because mm-hmm. I think we have some more Nash Styles Holmes stuff to talk about. You're right, Devin. We we do have more, but it, yeah. it's actually another theory. Kind of. Oh. Well, yeah. Okay. So this theory number two is an offshoot of theory number one. We, we talked about how the Wonderland gang really treated John Holmes like a like a dog, they, a piece of dirt. They, they just they did whatever to him they wanted to because they could. This theory is that this was not only and the murders were not only an attack, an act of revenge for Nash and Dials, but also John Holmes. In other words, he wasn't held at gunpoint through this whole thing, but he actually took part. Mm hmm. So he yeah. was an active contributor in the assault and killing of four people and the brain damage of a fifth. Yeah, you know, um, if I'd been Holmes, it would be kind of an attractive thing to do. To, to maybe not attractive, but you know, it would be tempting. Oh yes, to go to Nash, to go to Nash and say, "Hey, I heard you got, I heard you got robbed, and I got to say, I'm really sorry about this, but I, I know these people over here." And I told them about you and your hidden safe and everything. I, I really feel bad. I think it might have been them, you know? And, it, you know, so they could have been that. I don't even yeah. think you'd have to go that far. I think you could just say, hey, I think I know who did it because they just gave me this ring. Does this look familiar? Yeah, you could do that, too. They gave, they, yeah. And, then uh, you don't have any kind of personal connection to the original. Yeah, you just say something like, you know, hey, you know, these guys were asking me questions about you and, and stuff like mm-hmm. this. And, you know, and it's. I guess, yeah. You yeah. Could, you, and, there's, and, all, yeah you, there's all sorts of ways he could have actually played that and, and gotten and them murdered. The hard, you know? the hard part about both of these theories is that um, as we talked about Scott. Scott Thorson, uh, his version of that night didn't come out for almost 10 years. After mm-hmm. he cleaned up, he one day came, re- recalled this yeah. and started telling people about it. Uh, years later, Nash and Dials would start recounting versions of this, but those guys were still in the drug business and it was it would behoove them to tell this story about how they had brutally murdered four people in a house for screwing them over on a drug deal well it's actually a good thing that to let people know that let the world know that you you are not to be screwed with yeah, oh yeah if, if you live in that world. We, because yeah. if you show weakness in that in that kind of environment then everybody comes to feed upon you mm-hmm. and you yeah it's exactly why he would tell everybody oh yeah no well we showed up and we beat the holy hell out of them and blah, 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 and just you know and they always did it in these weird passing ways they never Obviously, they were smart enough to not say, oh, yeah, we killed those people. 
But, oh, yeah, there was this time we went to this house out in Laurel Canyon and some stuff happened. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, so you should be, you should treat us right. Yeah. Okay, probably, bye. Probably a good idea. <laughs> okay. Um, let's, let's move on to theory number three, which now we're going to, this is one of those theories where we're going to take a complete and total turn away from the official version. We now have a completely different theory. And that theory is that uh, there's a guy named Paul Kelly, and uh, he did it as a hit based on a bad drug deal. For funsies. Funsies. For the lols. Well, I got to say. For the raffles. These people people seem to me there are probably plenty of people out there that wanted to kill them. Absolutely. Even though Eddie Nash and and, and Dials are are the prime suspects, you know, I think there's lots of other potential suspects. Well, and and that's exactly, it may be possible they were in no way involved in the murders. Uh, If you remember in the beginning of this story or my description of the Wonderland gang, we were talking about the fact that they made part of their money from robbing other drug dealers. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, apparently they would also rip them off in bad drug deals. Not too long before the murders, the, the gang had sold what they said was a pound of heroin to another drug dealer for $250,000. That is so much heroin. Yeah, and but, it turned but, out to be baking soda. Well, no, they cut it. It just turns out the cut was like 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this this dealer, he buys $250,000 worth of drugs just to find out that they are completely and totally fake. And in his fury, turns around and does, not surprisingly, what a lot of people would do. He puts a hit out on them. I could I can't really blame him. No, he puts out a contract and he says, you know, it, it's never said how much the contract is worth. Right. I, I'm just laughing because that's always like that train of thought to me is like so weird where it's like wow i just lost a two hundred and fifty thousand dollars better spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars more to kill these people at no chance of ever recouping my cost i'm i'm, I'm yeah. frantically shaking my head I you, gotta, like, you because... gotta send a message dude no 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 no, 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 no. it's not 250k for the hit it's i'll pay Three whatever. grand ahead. Whatever. Yeah. I'm mean, whatever it is. But, but, it's but just like just like with Nash. If if I if you screw me and I'm willing to pay another three grand per head, and so I just paid fifteen thousand dollars, but you're whacked and I'm still alive, nobody else is gonna mess with me. Okay, I recognize that's why we took the break, is because we had to find the replacement Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying it doesn't make sense to me, Steve. I don't understand like why somebody would be like, wow, I just got screwed all of this money. I know, I'll spend a bunch more money to get this back instead of going back logical and thought. trying to steal from them logic. or trying to get it back. Yeah. Drugs no. and logic do not mix. I don't drug dealers and logic sometimes mix. Rarely. Well, sometimes. Only gotta, only in certain elections. But you, Yeah, you gotta you gotta look at it this way too, is that these people have ripped you off and disrespected you and it's definitely for a lot of people it would be worth the extra money to kill them. I do or like the no Joe. The new one. Yeah, the new, oh yeah. He's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's well. Yeah, this is the better clone than the last one. Okay, well, and and that's all. That all makes sense. So, according to this theory, there is a guy out there whose name was Paul Kelly. 
And by the way, I tried to find Paul Kelly. Information on this Paul Kelly. Oh, for Christ's sake, the name like Paul Kelly. I know. <laughs> I couldn't find any reporting on him. But according to this theory, this guy took the contract. Um, it turns out he must have been, you know, one of the bajillion L.A. drug dealers at the time in that giant pond of cocaine fish. Um, but I couldn't find anything, but according to the theory is that he went ahead and he took the contract and he executed it and he swooped in and he got his, the, the seven pounds of flesh that this, this $250,000 ripoff dealer wanted. Now, I know that people are going to be screaming at their computers or iPhones or whatever saying, but Steve, the problem is that doesn't explain John Holmes's palm print. Except well, not, that yeah. if we move into the next theory, it maybe kind of does. Because if, let, let's, let's go ahead and let's say that both sets of theories that we talked about so far are sort of right. In other words, the whole um, the whole Kelly con- part of it happened first. So Paul Kelly shows up. He kills everybody. In the meantime, Holmes has been picked up by Dials and got the holy crap beat out of him by him, by Dials and Nash. And Holmes finally gives in and says, fine, it's the Wonderland gang. Here's their house. But... By the time Dials and Holmes and the other two guys get there, Paul Kelly has come and gone Mm -hmm. and done his deed, at which point Dials is saying, oh, oh, hell, I got to find my boss's product. I got to find my boss's money and his stuff. And Dials could be the one that is responsible for turning the place completely upside down. Totally. Absolutely could be that it was both sets happened at the same time. It's entirely possible. I could see where you could like, uh, you could make kind of a Guy Ritchie movie out of this. Different timelines. You actually, all I would like. Up. I would like to see Guy Ritchie tackle the Wonderland murders. <laughs> I, mean, I that, think that, the Tarantino of this is probably more apt. That would work realistically. Too. Oh, that would be that. The blood level in that would it's be probably accurate. It's it'd probably yeah. be the most accurate yeah. Tarantino That's true. movie. Guy ever. Ritchie doesn't really go for the gritty blood. But but I could yeah, see but... the Guy Ritchie split timeline. Everything mates up. Oh, what yeah. the, oh whoa! Holy <laughs> crap! Mind bender. Yeah, yeah. good call. Yeah. Yeah. This is like four rooms to me. Yeah. Yeah. So we have one more theory, by the way. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, we're not done. There, um, There's one more theory, which I, I admit, I, I, I made this last one we talked about up in my own mind, and I'm going to make this last one up, which is that if indeed the Wonderland gang had knocked over Nash and they had taken all of his stuff, they needed to move a lot of stuff. They needed to move drugs. They needed to move jewelry. They needed to move guns. They needed to get rid of it all. So they're going to be putting out feelers, which causes a lot of chatter. You know, the people who are in those areas are like, oh, that's crazy. This house, the guys from this house just asked me about getting rid of all of these jewels. 
That's weird. They just asked me about getting rid of all these guns. That's yeah, pounds crazy. And pounds they just want to get rid yeah. of a whole bunch of quaaludes. Yeah, and so they really, yeah. When you, when people come to realize that you've got a pile of cash and drugs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You're not. You're not clever about it. Now you know. Deal with one thing at a time. Now, this you guy start has asking had... all. I want to get rid of it all, just yeah, as this... fast as possible, as much money. And oh, by the way, oh yeah, we got money. We can make change for a hundred grand. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. Although I, that's know. gonna draw attention. The flies yeah. are gonna start coming in. Yeah, now it's time to come in and like take all that. Although Little I, 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 t- I tend to kind of think that somebody would have come in with just some guys and some guns and just robbed them rather than beating them to death with pipes. More likely. That's why I don't really like this one. Well, theory. the thing is though is, um, so everybody in that house. Uh, they were heroin addicts, mm. and the thing about heroin addicts is that when they get high, they're not active, they're very inactive. Oh, yeah. So, you think, I'm going to come in, I'm going to hold these people up, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, just tie them up and stick them in a corner, and we're going to hold, monitor them while we look through the house to try to find stuff, or, hey, how convenient... They are all so passed out, they have no idea we're here. And we can take a bunch of time to roust them up and get them together. Or I could just club the holy crap out of them yeah, maybe and they, be maybe they done did. with it. You know, actually, there's an interesting thing in that is if you watch TV in the movies, uh, there's this whole idea that you can conk somebody in the head and just knock them out. And what happens is you hit them on the head, you either piss them off, or you maybe knock them out, or you kill them. Um, it's like you know, and more likely you're going to kill them or piss them off. But know? the level, but, the the level so of the beatings that these yeah, people it was, were given it was pretty savage. This yeah. wasn't a I'm going to bunk. They're all they're yeah. all passed out. Yay! Yeah. No, this was. I would like to see the inside of your skull, each and every one of you. Yeah. Let's see if I can. Well, do here's it. the unfortunate truth: is that if you're five feet away from another house and they're used to hearing kind of drug fueled parties, if they hear gunfire, they're probably still going to call the cops. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe. But if you beat some people to death. I'm really sorry, but if you beat some people to death, and and one of them even happens if to it, scream, one of them is screaming, the neighbors aren't going to call the cops. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying that if you hold them at gunpoint and tie them up and tell them to keep, keep shut up, or they're going to get killed. I don't know. Like, uh, it just makes more sense to me to do it that way. I mean, it makes people. more sense, but I also don't. That's know. that's a lot more work. I think that, yeah. but I, the reason I think is is robbery is one thing, uh, but these were savage murders. It was not like it was like there was a revenge factor here. There's also, I mean, there's, it's there's the total possibility that this was a a long term back and forth, right? They that we don't know about the, the mm-hmm. Wonderland Gang had been robbing people, and as far as we know, they had been getting robbed back, and it had been this back and forth kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that finally this was the kind of culmination of that, where people were like, "I am so freaking fed up and this was, holding this these was, people at gunpoint. This they was just the keep money coming shot. back. I'm just like, whatever. I'm just gonna, you yeah, know, I'm gonna yeah. take a pipe to their head." And there were lots of people who had a motive, particularly like, you know, I've never been so high on drugs that I've thought this is like violence is a good idea, but it's there's, that's not also, but that's a long spiral for most people. And, you know, to say like, this will put an end to that. Maybe that's what was happening. Maybe, Mm -hmm. or maybe even, you know, they hit them over the head once and they were like, ha ha. 
And and I'm I'm more inclined to believe the one of the latter theories, these last two theories. I mean, the like we said, the LAPD's theory, uh, the first couple of theories, those are the most popular. Um, John Holmes' uh, first wife, he was married multiple times, but his first wife came out years later and wrote an autobiography uh, in which she at that point talks about the fact that how Somewhere between the day of to two days after the Wonderland murders, John showed up at her house covered in blood and she put him in a a hot tub to clean him, a bathtub of hot water, not Mm -hmm. a hot tub, a tub of hot water to clean him. At which point he, he was freaking out. She said, tell me what's going on. And he recounted some of what had happened. But a lot of people who know Holmes have also said that her uh, her book is a blood of fiction. Mm. Um, I mean, there's just there's you know it's hard for anything me. that comes out of the mouth of John Holmes. I have a problem. Yeah, with. he told yeah. lies constantly. Is his his autobiography? He didn't write a book, but he told stories about his past, and and it was just all lies. I mean, total the, fiction. The guy was a total skis. I guess you know, for me, there may be some middle ground of like he wasn't this kind of Hollywood hero where he was like. I'm going to tell these guys to get revenge. I guess that's not a hero, right? Anti-hero, whatever. Yeah, that's definitely not the hero. And then he came in and helped. But there's also that possibility of like, he told these guys, hey, these are the people who ripped you off. And they're like, cool. And you helped him. And he was like, well, uh, no. And they're like, but you obviously helped him. And he was like, no, I didn't. And they were like, Mm -hmm. no, you did. And took him with them to witness this thing. And he was probably pretty traumatized by that. And, you know, coming down from drugs and like seeing all of these different horrific things. And he could have been really traumatized and, and almost a victim, almost right. There's some culpability issues there. There's some like really gut instinct, like he was responsible for this, but at the same time, But you know what I'm saying? I I get where you're coming from. My problem with making that kind of statement involving John Holmes is that he quite obviously didn't give a rat's ass about anybody else's life but his own. Because, I mean, you know how Holmes died. Sure. He he had AIDS and the complications from that killed him. When he was tested positive... That jackass was still in the business and didn't stop performing. He didn't yeah. tell anybody. Yeah. Now, the word got out in L.A., so he just went to Europe. Yeah. You know? right. So, <laughs> so he, didn't, he Europe. didn't care yeah. about anybody else's life, which is but there why is I a have difference. a problem with him being so traumatized by seeing other people die because he apparently didn't care. Okay, but let's be really, really honest here for a second. There is a huge difference between being responsible from somebody dying for AIDS or maybe contracting AIDS or HIV to seeing someone beat to death with a pipe in front of you. That's a huge difference. I I will agree with that. But but my point is, he obviously had no no remorse. Right, and that's... I know I'm not saying that he had some kind of remorse. I'm saying I know that you're like, not defending he Holmes. could have been <laughs> that, you know, he could have been trying to play this like both sides of the aisle sort of thing. And it backfired on him. And they're like, all right, well, you're going to watch this thing that you're responsible for. And he had to watch or it. Or he and had was no like, idea oh my what was going to happen. God. And it happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, you know, he watched that and that's traumatic no matter what. Like, I don't think there's a human in this world who... You oh, know. there are, believe me. I'm sure, <laughs> like, you get used to it, but, like, for your first time, yeah. I don't think there's a human in this world who the first time they see that happen is like, oh, God, what? Yeah, right. And shocker, so I but, think yeah. there's there's some middle ground there in terms of, like, 
he could be totally responsible for both things, but still be really traumatized and and trying to kind of cover himself. Yeah. You know? It's possible. Okay. I'm not, I'm not but I don't say, want to I'm defend him because I think he's a total skeez. I, I know. I know. So, okay. We, guys, we've we've belabored for, the... the time, yeah, it's time for me to solve the mystery. We, okay. I know who did it. Oh, you do? It was yeah. Joe. Yeah. No. And it wasn't Choopy. No, it was... I mean, this was an upscale... Wait, was this, was this Nessie when Nessie was on Coke? Yeah, Nessie, I know. She needed 350 Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was an upscale, very nice neighborhood, and uh, they were bringing down the property values. And neighborhood I think, association. I did think it? it was the neighbors. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, if I if I was living in a nice, expensive house like that, and I was like really tight, close to them, and everything, and listening to this crap all twenty four hours a day, I would seriously consider murdering them myself. I really I, would. While I yeah. enjoy that thought, I yeah. also think that these were some scary people, yeah. and that you would very quickly say. I can just see, you know, I can see myself in my neighborhood. There's been a time or two that I have rushed out my door like, I am going to take care of this. Whoa. Mm. Hi, crazy town. I'm I'm sorry. I was just coming out to get the mail. I'm going to go back in my house now. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, so, but there, it, it, there's, it always, there's always a possibility it was the neighbors, I think. I, I don't think we should totally discount that. Nope. Yeah. Well, if you have theories on this, you are more than welcome to share them with us. Uh, the place that you cannot share them is our website, but you can ah, uh, you can check out our research about this episode on our website. You can obviously listen to any this episode or any of our past episodes there as well. Um, on the website, you will see the links on the right-hand side for merch or for supporting the show. All of that is right there. So merch is going to be shirts or coffee mugs or phone cases. We've added some new stuff there as well, time goes on. I, we're going to add John Holmes dolls. Um, no, no, we are not going to add big dolls. <laughs> We are not going to be doing that. Okay, fine. Um, if you want to support the show, there is those options, which are, like I said, there is the merchandise. There is going to be PayPal. So if you'd like to do a one-time donation to the show, you are more than welcome to do it there. Or if you'd like to do a recurring donation to the show or support of the show, that would be done through Patreon. The address for that is patreon.com slash thinking sideways, where you can pledge a certain amount per episode. Uh, so be aware, though, it, it is per episode. So if you want to do a buck, that's a buck every episode. So if you want to do a hundred bucks, that'd be a hundred bucks an episode. So Which we would love. We love that. That would be cool. But, uh, and by the way, to everybody yeah. who has been uh, giving us support, we so appreciate that. You have no idea how much easier that makes things for us. Uh, the other way that you could support the show is by rating the show. If you are on iTunes, do go ahead and take the time to leave a comment and a rating. And a high um, one, preferably. Yeah, if you've got a, a, an issue or a concern with something that we've said or you think that we're in, uh, inferring. Wait, I can't say infer. Uh, if no. something that we're saying, then go ahead and get a hold of us through some other means because we can't have a conversation via comments. Um, but whatever streaming service you use, because we're also on streaming services, uh, you're more than welcome to subscribe there. And if those have a comment or a rate system, uh, a review system, a lot of them do. use that. We totally appreciate that. I know, God, has Google Play added that yet? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, we're on everybody at this point, Google Play, Stitcher, whoever. 
Um, we are on social media. So we are on Facebook where we've got the Facebook page and the Facebook group. We are on Twitter where we are thinking sideways, where Devin wow. tweets lots of strange pictures that she has put filters on to totally mask her appearance. So mm. if you want to know not what Devin looks like, please check that if out. If you want to know what Devin looks like as a pineapple or a wolf... Define, yeah, that's a good place for yeah, that. Yeah, that, yeah. that's oh. exactly what you're going to get there. We have a subreddit. Uh, so if you are a Reddit user, there's a subreddit thinking sideways. And last but not least, the most popular method of getting a hold of us to have an actual conversation would be email. Oh, we have an email? We do. The email email, email <laughs> is thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to send in feedback, comments, story suggestions, general praise, or rage uh be aware we will respond to all emails but it does take eventually it can yeah. sometimes take days, take they, days you'd be amazed yeah. how many how quickly they pile up yeah they do so we are not ignoring you if it takes a couple of days we actually feel bad when i i have a i'm like oh god it's still there i'm freaking out it's stressing me out man yeah. so we will write you back yeah, uh, but that we like emails. Is, uh, please, do, please do write to us and tell you tell us how much you love us. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, feel free. Did I forget anything? Ah, you did, but I don't know what. I forgot it too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, I appreciate everybody staying with us through this long and kind of haphazard, haphazard, drawn out. It's just it's been a big episode, and uh, yeah, we appreciate yeah. all of that and dealing with every freaking pun we've made. So uh, yeah. it was, hey guys, just I want to point out it was mostly all you guys making the bad jokes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. we're gonna zip this one up, and yeah, the we'll Wonderland talk to you murders, next week. Yeah. The mystery is not is not even is I, the mystery is why didn't somebody kill them sooner? Frankly. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, I'm sorry. That know. sounds a little what? callous. I guess. Phrasing. Phrasing. Phraseology. Yeah. Phraseology. Phraseology. Yeah. It's just like nameology. 